Hi everyone, it's Sue Langerty here, your host of Real Estate Right. Working out your settlement strategy when buying or selling a home can be complex. Today, we go back to episode 23 with Josh Hommelhoff from Ray White Carnegie, where he talks to us about the various ways you can maximise your settlement strategy. The reason why we are replaying this episode is so that our listeners can strategize within a buyer's market. This episode was released in June 2020, right at the beginning of Melbourne's first major COVID lockdown. Who knows how 2023 will be different, as at the moment we are looking at a 60-65% to 65% clearance rate of auctions, compared with an 87% clearance rate for the same period in 2021. 60 to 65% is usually what they like to call an even marketplace. Similar number of buyers to those of sellers. However, what we are finding is that there are less than half the number of auctions because homeowners have changed their strategy to a more private sale campaign due to interest rate increases making it difficult for buyers to be able to commit to terms and conditions of an auction campaign. So have a listen to Josh Hommelhoff talk about the pros and cons of short and long-term settlements so you can make an informed decision on what you need to do when selling your home. The settlement of a property can make or break the buying and selling of a property. For some, it could mean bridging finance. For others, it might mean renting something for a short term. No matter what, it can cost if it all goes wrong. Settlement terms are always one of the deciding factors that could mean that the property is sold to you or maybe someone else. Today, we have Josh Hommelhoff from Ray White Carnegie to give us the know-how on what's the good, the bad, and the ugly in terms of property settlements. Welcome to Real Estate Right, where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent, and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langeter. Consistently a top performer and award-winning real estate agent, over the past 18 years, Josh Hommelhoff is a partner at Ray White Carnegie and an all-round nice guy. Here to tell us about the long and short of settlement terms, welcome Josh. Now, how did you get into real estate, Josh? Uh, June 2003. Um, previously, I'd, uh, I'd been doing landscaping for a while. Um, I was making pizzas since I was about 14 and um, had a pizza shop for a little while. And uh, I'd always sort of had a back-end interest in real estate. It was something I wanted to to have a go at. And that, I still remember back then, that was when you were looking at um, ads in the age. Yes. Um, and um, so there was a there was a job available uh, at Ray White Oakley at the time. Yep. and um, yeah applied applied for that job and um, the rest is sort of history 18 years later obviously moving across and opening Carnegie with, with Matt a long time ago yeah awesome um so just to let our listeners know unfortunately we don't have Grant here again so you just got me asking the questions uh, so um, now what is a settlement like if we get back into the crux of the actual uh, podcast what's a settlement uh, so settlement is the is the exchange of titles yes. it's when um, monies are exchanged titles are then put into new names and then people legally will uh, will take over as the owner of a property or, or the land or whatever it might be and um, either done through a uh, mortgage with a bank or um, 
paid out right. Yeah, awesome. So what is the average length of a settlement? We've probably been average of about 60 days or two months, yeah. um, but they can fluctuate to a number of different uh, time frames. Yes. Which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yes, we will. And, yeah, so what do we need to do in that time from the, the period from actually buying the property to settling? What needs to actually be done? Yep, no worries. So once the property is sold, then a, a deposit's paid and everything else, and that's done. Then, um, so if it's a 60-day settlement, typically a buyer will have, leading up to a week before settlement, they'll have um, you know, a final inspection that they'll do which is basically, we always say jokingly that, you know, to make sure no one's taken a sledgehammer to the walls and the house was as it was when you purchased it. Um, You know, checking that uh, air conditioners, heating, um, gas cooktops, all that stuff are in in working order. Um, And just making sure that it's all going to be right for the day that that you settle. Uh, Some people might use that time frame to um, start a planning process, depending on what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, we do get requests of some people wanting to try and get into a property to maybe make some adjustments, but typically that's a that's a no-no, especially with solicitors. They'll say you just leave that until it's done. Yeah. But it's more of a preparation time frame to get ready for when you settle. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I know of some situations where, for instance, um, even when I bought this property, they wouldn't allow us to check everything over. We were allowed to look, walk through it, but the owners wouldn't allow, well, they didn't want to meet us at the property. And I said, well, how about just things like, you know, showing us how to work the spa or how to work the, you know, oven or, or just showing us all this stuff. And the, and the agent was actually very anti, no, 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 we don't do that in our office. I'm like, really? So, yeah. yeah. We, uh, we, try and, we try and make sure, like we, we come up with a lot of scenarios where sometimes the, there might be something that's a bit of a grey area that might need to be adjusted prior to settlement. And, um, you know, if the owner's not going to do anything, but you you obviously can't push the owner, but you want to try and do the right thing by the buyer so that when they settle, they're, they're happy. It's you yeah. know, it's a big deal when somebody's settling on a property. Yeah, um, It's not about dipping into your pocket necessarily, but you've got to try and work out um, that things are done the right way so everybody's going to be happy. Yeah, definitely. And th- it's things like patching up walls um, if you've taken TV off the wall, um, all that sort of stuff yeah. that should be checked prior in that pre-settlement inspection. Correct. Yeah. What are the pros and cons of a short settlement? Uh, obviously, you're getting your money faster if you're an owner. Yes. Um, depending on the, you know, if it's a private negotiation, like a private sale type scenario on the purchase, a buyer might use that as uh, leverage to maybe get the property at a lesser price. Yes. Um, it's a common thing that we see. If it's, you know, if it's obviously it's an option, then it's going to be different. It might be a set of circumstances that somebody needs to settle with you. 30 days, Um, but typically the main reason is you're going to be getting your funds earlier, you're in and out uh, nice and quickly. Yeah, and it can work the other way. If the buyer wants to move in quickly, the buyer will have to pay a premium to... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the shoe can be on the other foot. Yeah, so um, either way it works well. Um, Well, it can work well, but in terms of the shorter settlement's probably about 14 days to really get everybody on board wouldn't it or is that really pushing if you can get both conveyances or solicitors to do it we have had it done before um but most of the time it'll be around about 30 days that's what most people will say and the biggest thing that we find when it comes to short settlements is they'll say oh but the bank said they can't do it and i haven't if ever seen a settlement not go through because the bank said oh we can't do it in 30 days if they're presented with the contract yeah in most cases, they'll they'll get it done. Yeah, all good. So, why would buyers and sellers choose a sort a, a short settlement? Would it be just um, 
because obviously they've sold themselves um, or they bought themselves? What other things could be a reason behind having a short settlement? Um, yeah, so typically it might, we always say it comes down to individual set of circumstances for each person, yeah. um, but it might be for the owner that, yep, they've bought, they've got a, a shorter settlement, so they want to, you know, have to mirror that up so they don't have to go through, you know, borrowing extra cash um, to cover the mortgage um, in between settlement, which can become very expensive if, if yeah. that's the case. Um, and for a buyer, probably, you know, similarly, they might have already sold, um, so they've got to work within that specific time frame. Uh, they could be living at home with mum and dad and just want to get out. Yeah, that happens <laughs> um, a lot. You know, <laughs> you know, you know or, or a young couple are living with one of the in-laws. And, yeah. Um, Hey, we love our in-laws, but I think everyone gets it. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's, there's a, yeah, there's, there's obviously a handful of different reasons that, that people will want a shorter settlement. Could be the time of year, yes, as well. You know, getting wanting to, to settle school, prior to, yep, yeah, in, in for the school term prior to Christmas to get to get settled. Um, so probably the number one reasons that we'd see people wanting a shorter settlement. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so do you have any examples of short settlements that you've seen, like stories of anything specific? Um, yeah, look, we, it's funny. Like, we'll, we'll obviously have stories for, for both ends of the spectrum when yeah. it comes to long settlements and, and short settlements. I think what we do see is more so the if, if it's in a negotiation, that's where the shorter settlement will probably have a little bit more leverage, yeah. um, you know, in a, in maybe in a private sale negotiation or, or something like that. Um, and it's like you said before, it could be that, okay, the, the vendor wants 90 days. If we're going to take 30 days, then, you know, it's the premium price is going to have to be paid in order for that to happen. Yeah. But we have, we've seen actually, we've had some examples where we've had a 60-day settlement booked and then someone will look to change to a, an earlier settlement because their circumstances have changed. Yeah. Um, I know we had one, I think it was about six or seven months ago, where this scenario had taken place and then the owner and the buyer through their solicitors had ended up working out that, okay, if that was the case, we're going to have a slight difference on the price. Yeah. So a small adjustment and, and that actually took place for all the parties to, to come together yeah. and um, done and dusted within 30 days. Mm. Yeah, well, I know I um, bought a property once and... Uh, I was being kicked out of a rental property because the owners were moving back in. So I had 60 days from that time to move out and obviously you don't want to move twice. So yep. by the time I actually found a property, got the approval from the banks, I only had 30 days left and I actually had to buy the property prior to auction to make that 30 days work. So, yeah, I had to pay pay a premium and unfortunately sold it for less than what I paid for it when I sold it two and a half years later. <laughs> These things happen. Well, say, every, 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 real estate, every real estate transaction isn't always a win. It's, no, it's you not. Know, they, there's learning experiences all the way through. Oh, it happens to all are. of us. Yes. Yes. So now on the long settlement side, what's what are the pros and cons of the long settlements? In most cases, we see more money. Yeah. Um, I think if you ask anybody today, and I know me as well, if I was buying a property today and someone gave me an extra 60 or 90 days, um, great. Uh, it gives you the ability to um, potentially spend more money when you're purchasing, but it also falls, falls in line with your circumstances and, and what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, that is probably the, the most the most common one yeah. that, that we see. Uh, or the 
if it's a development site, then we're talking a lot longer. So typically six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, I just had one that settled uh, three weeks ago that was a 21-month settlement. So uh, that, that, was a, that was a long one, um, but everything went through fine, no, yeah. no issues. It was uh, the, the vendor secured. Considering the, uh, the global conditions at the moment, you'd sort of think, oh, wow, you, that would be something you'd probably pull out of, but luckily it went through. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it went through okay. And the, and the vendors, um, you know, they got a really good price for it and it was definitely a premium and, and mm. the part of the negotiation, it was an off-market sale yeah. and the largest portion of the negotiation was, okay, well, if, you know, if you're going to buy it and you want these settlement terms, then this is the price you can have to pay and there's no buts. Yeah. And they did. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah, what happens. So can you ask for, like, more deposit, for instance, or more repayments if you do go the longer settlements, like especially if they're over sort of six, 12 months kind of thing? Yeah, so um, obviously in the bank size, they just require you to pay a 10% deposit. Yeah. Um, having a having like a 15 or 20% deposit in some cases is going to have a huge implication on your, on your financing side of things. But uh, if you're having a deposit released, so uh, sec- the Section 27 is done, um, both solicitors approved and the funds are released to the vendor, then yes, having a larger deposit um, can be a factor for a vendor to say, okay, well, instead of, you know, if we sell for a million dollars, instead of getting, you know, $100,000 less fees, uh, we're getting 200000 less fees and that can uh, be a big instigator to them making the decision. Yeah. And like even if the deposit, uh, the Section 27 has been released, can you ask for like periodical payments or is it once that section? Can be done. Yeah. Can be done. Yeah, can be done. Yeah, so you can, you would typically... uh, do that as part of the contract um, where you could have a certain amount paid like, you know, every quarter or every month, depending on on how long it is. But that would be something that solicitors would obviously have to have everything drawn up and officially signed up off on and letter of agreements, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because like it's, it's not as black as black and white as people think real estate is like there are lots of little negotiating things you can do to make it work for you. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of a lot of people think that you can get um, you can automatically you know have a section twenty seven drawn up and the deposit gets released. Yeah. But there are a lot of underlying factors that uh, need to be you know ticked off for a bank and solicitor to say yeah all right we can release the funds. So even if your agent says I will get you a section twenty seven, yeah. you need to make sure you know all the ins and outs before that because you might it might not happen. Yeah, and you can't rely on that. And that no. <laughs> Um, so what's the longest settlement you've ever heard besides that 21-month one? I've heard of settlements being two to three years on um, more commercial or farmland yeah. um, in the past. Uh, I haven't transacted any for, for that long. Typically with res- residential real estate, the, the one we just had at nearly two years was the longest that I'd had personally. Yeah. But you, you do see stuff that's done... I, I did have a client that sold a farm and they had a two and a half year settlement. They had uh, a deposit paid, then they had a million dollars after six months yeah. and then they had another balance after a certain amount of time. It was a, quite an expensive sale. Yeah. Uh, but that was ended up, I think it was like two and a half to three years yeah. settlement. Yes. it's. I guess farm is, is also incorporating business and all that sort of stuff too, isn't it? When mm. it's, it's, yep. it's a process. Absolutely. Yeah. So should we ensure that the seller's terms suit your terms as the buyer or before giving your offer or bid, especially at auction? So, you know, a lot of people just think that they can go to an auction or, you know, put an offer of in, but they sort of forget to look at the settlement terms 
but they may be strict ones or they may be not so strict. But, you know, obviously you've got to speak yeah, to your agent a bit, don't you? Absolutely. And as a buyer, you, you need to make sure you do your due diligence. You need to, you know, every set of, uh, every seller is going to be different. So someone will say, we want 60 days, but they might have some flexibility. Um, and I can understand that they, they want their money sooner. Yeah. But you're going to have circumstances where there's some flexibility, but you just need to make sure you know that before you go making your, your offer or, or bidding at an auction. It's, it's hugely important. Um, you know, we, we do see in a lot of occasions, we, we have a 30 or 60 day uh, term. Someone will come inside and say, oh, do you think they take 90 days? Yeah. And sometimes the vendors are open to it. Um, but you can always, you can always ask a question. Yeah. But you need, you just, you need to know what the actual terms are going to be. Yeah. Before you go making your offer. But if, as I said, if it's a private sale and you're making an offer, then obviously your terms you offer might and probably will form part of the pricing and, and whole negotiation process. Yeah. I know of a story where there was um, three people gave offers at the same time, or two of them gave the same price, one yeah. for the asking price. So the asking price and then two higher prices, and the two higher prices was decided by who who offered the better settlement terms that suited the, the owner. Yeah, so, we see that sort of thing all the time. Like we, it's yeah. it's a clause in a contract that we can say, you know, you're at X dollars. If the vendor has an offer that's, you know, five thousand dollars less, but the settlement terms are better, they're probably going to take that offer in a lot of cases. Yeah, because yeah. It, it's more suitable. Because five thousand yeah. dollars, you know, on a mortgage, you know, it can, you know, that could be a month's payment, it could be, you know, a couple of months' payment or whatever it is. But if yeah, the you know, yeah, at an auction, if you are the final bidder and then you you decide that you actually need to negotiate different settlement terms, is that going to be an issue? Yeah, in most cases it will be because technically if the property's been knocked down to you yeah. and it's sold, then you have to adhere to the terms that are required. Look, we have we have these conversations with people week in, week out, yeah. and you know, we always say all you can do is ask. Yeah. And But in, in a lot of cases you need to fully understand that if the vendor says, right, it's 60 days, you can't change that. You have to do it yeah. unless they have some form of flexibility. Yeah. Um, it depends how nice they're feeling on the day yes. and potentially what sort of price they've achieved. Yeah. And we have seen a lot of vendors who've got a really good price yeah. and they've just said, yep, yeah, no worries, give them the extra two months, we're okay with that, that's fine. Yeah, and so they'd just go rent an Airbnb or or stay with the mother-in-law or something like that for two months. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're borrowing, you want better settlement options, pay more for the house. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now, how do we ensure that the property actually settles properly on the right day? Yeah, so a few things. Um, so we start with maintenance. So if you've got – typically gardens need to be as they were from the day of sale, within reason. Yeah. So a lot of people just think, oh, we can just leave it and it's overgrown. No. Yeah. That can have settlement halted. Um so just, you know, we, from our business, we'll always make sure that we've got a gardener on hand that we can refer to a vendor that will, you know, we just had one last week. Yeah. The day before settlement, we went in and tidied the whole thing up for a couple of hundred dollars, all done. Yeah. Um, but the most important, and the biggest thing we're seeing, especially in the, from the, all the way through from the Royal Commission through to now, with the way things have changed in, in banking and finance, and I say, you know, having a world-class broker in, um, to make sure everything happens is, I think, instrumental in making sure that there's no hiccups. Yeah. Um, you know, we will get notified that our oh, settlement's been delayed by two weeks because the bank hasn't done this or, um, you know, something's happened along the way. And as a, you know, as a buyer, you're the one that's typically, if it's, if it's you, you're going to, you know, get these charges for default. Mm. In some cases, yes, you can put it on the bank, but um, if they haven't followed you up diligently, 
then you could run risk of not settling on on time. Um, you know, we we have we we work alongside a broker, um, you know, Josh Bartlett, who's you know not one of the number one mortgage brokers in the country. Um, amazing at what he does, but you know, knowledge around all the things that need to happen leading up to settlement are imperative to making sure that it all goes through. Yeah. It can be scary, those last hours and whatever it is before the settlement's supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, as an agent, like it's your, it should be your job to, you know, everything should be diarised. You should have your final inspection pre-booked yeah. well and truly before settlement's leading up. Yeah. You know, that's how we get paid in our industry once it settles. Mm. And if it doesn't, then it's, it, you know, it's going to hold you from getting paid as yeah. well. So it's in your best interest. Yeah, and obviously the owners is yeah. the number one thing yeah. um, because, you know, they want to be getting their money and moving on and they might have, you know, removal trucks lined up oh. for the same day and if all that goes pear-shaped, it's, yeah, can of worms you don't want to open. Definitely. So how common is it that a settlement date actually changed from the original date set on the contract? Uh, in a lot of cases we might see three out of ten. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had one uh, that was due to settle today that's settling now in two weeks. We found out a week ago. Yeah. Uh, so th- there was financial issues. Yeah. Um, it will settle, we've been advised. But, um, yeah, we, we would see adjustments, you know, probably two to three times out of every 10 there's going to be something. Or um, And, look, we're typically the last people to find yeah. out. Um, you know, everything happens between the, the buyer, the seller and the solicitors. Yeah. Um, but it might be that someone's circumstances have changed, whatever it is, and... and They'll do their due diligence and have that adjusted, but it happens more more than you think. Yeah. I have heard of a story where a house was uh, burnt to the ground about a week before settlement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> These things can happen. We, yeah, and this is where one of the recommendations we make to people is don't just assume that the owner has insurance on the home. Yeah. If you've purchased the home, go and get your insurance sorted. It's not going to cost you the earth. Um, that way, if anything happens, you, you can be covered. Yeah. You know, in that period. And, and a lot of insurance companies now will, will, will offer you, you know, a package deal that isn't going to charge you, you know, a huge sum. It just gets you through to a settlement and then you would pay your policy yeah. after that. Yeah. One of the biggest things that we get leading up to an auction is uh, you've got a buyer that wants uh, 120 days, vendors want 60 days, vendors are saying no, just depends on the price. Now, we say in most cases that if you have the right buyer bidding on your auction, yeah. And given the settlement they want, if you can work with it, it can pay dividends for you. We had one about uh, oh, seven, eight weeks ago. Yeah. And um, these, this particular property was on the market at um, just over 1.1 million. It was a, an old knockdown home. Yeah. I had a buyer that had said, listen, for tax reasons, we have to settle 1st of July. Yeah. They were, you know, they almost said no, but I said, listen, I've dealt with these people before. I think it's in your best interest. Best thing that can happen is they run your price up, they don't buy it. Someone else buys it or the flip side is you get a really good price and they buy it. Yeah. Uh, so it was on the market. We had good bidding from four people. It was on the market at just over 1.1. Mm-hmm. This particular buyer didn't start bidding until 1,190. Now, had we said no to them, yeah, they still would have got a great price. They would have been about 80, 90 grand above reserve yeah. and wouldn't have known any different. This particular buyer didn't buy the property. He was the underbidder. And the young couple that bought it paid $1,366,000. Wow. And so we're, we're talking an incredible amount of money, all to do with settlement. Yeah. So if I can give any advice to anyone, if you're talking to your selling agent and they give you advice around really listening about settlement, you need to because it might not be a couple of grand. It could be a couple of hundred. Yeah. And you just won't know. You know, you want to make, I think you just need to give everyone the best opportunity to be competitive on a home because it can pay tickets for you. Yeah. 
Sounds like wise advice. So, yeah, there really is a lot to think about about uh, before giving your offer on what you believe is the perfect property. It really is all in the timing. Thanks, Josh, for all your wisdom and expertise today. If you would like Josh Hommelhoff to help you sell your home, you can contact him on 9571 I've worked with Josh for over 10 years now, and even if your property isn't around the Carnegie area, Josh can sell it or work with another Ray White office to assure you get the best service. So we will have a short break now and come back with Sue's Quick Quiz. It's Sue's Quick Quiz time. Josh, what's your favourite Melbourne suburb? Black Rock is one of my favourite suburbs. Yeah. I live Bayside. I don't live as close to the water as I'd like. Um, but yeah, I just it's very laid back, um, easygoing area, um, good schools. Yeah, it's just a, a, a really lovely spot. Yeah. So what's your go-to hot bevy? Uh, yeah, a latte typically. Um, depending on the day sometimes strong or yeah or just normal but yeah good yeah and, I, and I'm you know I'm, a, I'm an advocate for good coffee um I think like a lot of people you've got small kids what's the best playground in Melbourne uh so the new playground the Burren um, Park playground in Glen Huntley is uh is yeah. amazing um we had one of my mates we had his kids first birthday there just pre-COVID um and I dr- yeah. it's funny I drive past it all the time from because of work yeah uh, but yeah phenomenal like they've done that really really well yeah they have done a pretty good job there um now what instrument did you play as a kid i'm guessing you would have played something yeah played drums played drums um yeah played drums for about uh five years yeah i reckon it was so in high school and a little bit after high school, yeah. Uh, I always, I always say to Kate, my better half, you know, when, when we get the space, um, <laughs> the which I'm hoping will be soon and en- soon enough, because I'd lo- my uh, eldest daughter Penelope, I'd, I'd love to get her a drum kit because that way we can both use it. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it was all, it was always good at the end of the day. You could just let it go on a drum kit. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, name a secret place in Victoria that's your happy find. Do you have a town that you like to go to, or? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, could be a lot, I love Lawn. Yeah, I think Lawn's a great place to to get away to. Yeah. Um, for me, like the hustle and bustle of the city, like Melbourne's a, a great city, but um, Warrandyte's a really cool place too. Yeah. Um, my my sister used to live out there for, for quite a while, and you know, Warrandyte's sort of Eltham area. You you really feel like you're you're out of the city, but you're literally on the outskirts of heading into town yeah so you know some cool places bars and stuff and pubs all that sort of thing lots of places you can go walk in the park it's, it's yeah good. nice so what's the most luxurious thing you've ever seen in a house um, most like there's, <laughs> there's probably a difference between luxurious and uh and quirky and all that sort of stuff and extravagant um, <laughs> i've seen i've seen a few bathrooms done up to the absolute nines where i'm talking like Plated like gold plated toilets, bidets, yeah. Um, you know, imported marble from overseas. That's you know, like you look at the type of house and the money that's been spent on a bathroom, and you think, wow, okay. Yeah. Um, but what would be the most? Um, I've seen I've seen some big money spent on some basements, and I'm talking like not just your typical concrete, yeah, um, set up, but we're talking the whole gym theater. Yeah. Um, some amazing fit outs, you know, I was in a house once probably about seven years ago that had spent 
about 250,000 on a sound system alone for, oh, wow. a, for a theatre, which was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot of hoi- and I, and I, and, Yeah, and I was, <laughs> I was sort of like, oh, can you really tell the difference? And then they, they put, um, put something on, you're like, yeah, okay, that, that sounds pretty good. So. Yeah, <laughs> so it was worth it. Um, what was the last live act you saw? Sam Smith, I think it was. Yeah. was the last live act I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Great singer, very good singer. Couple of, couple yeah, it was. It was. It was. I got. I got invited to it on the day. My better half's parents and. Okay. Um, he was. Uh, yeah, he was brilliant. Great singer. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Uh, how old were you when you bought your first home? Uh, we bought the land first, so twenty. What are we talking? Thirty-three, I think it was. Thirty-three. Yeah. So you're a late one. Yeah, so a little bit, a little bit different. Um. You know, so I, I guess probably spend a bit more time trying to save a bit, uh, a bit more cash to yeah. live where I wanted to live. Yeah. Um, and look, there's pros and cons, I guess. The, the old saying is, you know, don't don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's good. Very, very happy where we are from here. Yeah, that's good. That's what you want. And last question, where? what's your favourite winery to go visit? There's obviously a stack. If you're heading down Mornington Peninsula, yeah. um, there's a heap of good wine down there, um, Yarra Valley as well. Yeah. I, should, um, I got onto this wine. I can't remember the name of it, but there's a big, it's a bit of a different shape bottle with a wombat on the front. I can't remember what it was called. A wombat colour? But their Shiraz is just, <laughs> no, nah, it's not, it's not called wombat. It's called something else. So I, I was telling one of my staff about it a few weeks ago. Yeah. She tried a bottle last night. I just can't remember the name, but it was uh, the Shiraz is to die for. It was, um, and it's a Victorian place. I'll have to find. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a bit of a different. It's a bit of a different shaped bottle. It's not as tall as your normal bottle of wine. It's a bit shorter and, and fatter, so it's easy to find. Dan Murphy sell it. I just can't remember the name of it. We'll have to look out for those bottles with a wombat on it. <laughs> I'll see if I can find it and put it on the on the podcast notes or something. Thanks again, Josh, for helping us out today. Um, again, if you want to get in contact with Josh Hommelhoff from Ray White Carnegie, call 9571-6777 for a market appraisal. Next week, as we are almost at the end of the auction season, we have Nicole Jacobs and Barry Sloan talk to us about the best tactics when bidding at auction. Nicole talks to us from the buyer's perspective and Barry talks to us from the auctioneer's perspective. The same rules apply in all types of markets, so it's a great recap if you're keen to buy before Christmas, before your pre-approval runs out. So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Audio Stock for sound effects, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Zoom for our video link. The information presented on this podcast is presented in a general nature and it is recommended to get your own professional advice that suits your own personal circumstances. Remember to please subscribe, rate and review us on your favourite podcast service. I'm Sue Langada. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.